I want you, if you would, to turn to John chapter 11. I want to, I, I began a, uh, speaking from a narrative there uh, last week, and we worked through verse 27. Today, we're going to conclude that. We're going to go from verse uh, 28 down through 44 at the least, and, and speak from the topic of live again. I want to read this in case uh, I don't reflect on each individual verse uh, through, my, through the message, but you will have and hear the gist of what um, uh, the, the narrative is so that when I bring out the key points, uh, you'll understand what's happening. Verse number 28, and I'll take you back during the message of what went on before this, but verse 28, when she ha- had said this, this is talking about a lady by the name of Martha. She went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God. So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on the account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth Jesus said to to them, unbind him and let him go. Can you say amen? One of the things that we um, believe or one of the creeds, creeds simply means belief, uh, but our, our doctrine is founded on one of the creeds. There's various ways that we could say it. It's the Apostles' Creed, and this will, this will be on the screen, and I want to read this. This really defines the, base, the basis of what we believe as Christians. The Apostles' Creed reads as this, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, 
And those of you that understand the word Catholic, what it means, it means universal. So it's an implication here that we believe in one universal church, a holy universal church. The communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. That can really, in a nutshell, all of us that are Christians believe those things. Without question, of course, we believe that in, in God the Father Almighty, he is uh, the creator. He's the one that created the planet. He's the one that created us. And, and in his godhood, he has still yet found a way to have a personal relationship with us. We don't have a relationship with sticks and stones and trees and rocks and gems. We have a personal relationship with a God who created us. We believe in the Son, Jesus Christ. He is the Lord. He's the one that oversees. He's the one that rules. He's the one that has the authority over the life of people. And he's the one that God has sent to die on a cross that we may have salvation. This Jesus was born through the womb of Mary. So he was born human, but also conceived by the Holy Spirit. And so in in, in essence, what that means, he was both human and divine. The Holy Spirit was his father, not a natural man. His mother was the Virgin Mary. So he has the nature uh, of a divine God and a person just like you and I that could experience pain and suffering and agony. We know that Jesus died on the cross because there was a real figure by the name of Pontius Pilate that you could look in history and you know when he ruled, you know when he led, and you can see the writings of him and the writings of during this time that talks about him crucifying one whom they called, who was Jesus of Nazareth, whom they called the king of the Jews. We know it happened. We know he was crucified. We know he died and we know he was buried. We also know he descended into hell. And when he uses the term hell, that was a Jewish way uh, of saying the grave, that he was put in a tomb, that he was put uh, in a place outside uh, of, of this earth. He was in the, er- in the earth, but outside of living. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again. It confirms it. It affirms it. He wasn't clinically dead. He didn't just, he didn't just pass out on the cross. He was dead, dead. And he rose again in a risen, glorified body. Now, all of that is important to us, and all of that has meaning and substance. And again, it's why we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. But, but I also want to affirm to you that the, the reason that this means so much is, is simply this. And Pastor Jacob done a good job dealing with it this morning. If Jesus did not rise from the dead... Everything that we believe, everything that we share with others, all the hope that we have, it's in vain. It, it, it just, it has no meaning beyond a person, a man dying on a cross. It has no meaning. The alternative of that, if Jesus had not risen from the dead, the alternative of that is that all of us are unforgiven. We're, we're still left in a condition, a, a, a sinful condition, and, and we have yet to pay the price of our rebellion and, and our, us turning away from God. The, 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 the price that has to be paid for rejecting the God of the planet. If Jesus had not given in to the death of the cross and allow his body to be broken and the blood to be shed, if he, if he was not put in the tomb and if he did not rise from the dead, then we still have wages to pay. 
And the scripture says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is life eternal. And that's why we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. But, but beyond that, what this narrative in John teaches us is that the resurrection of the Lord, because Jesus did indeed rise from the dead, which is absolutely humanly impossible, it takes the power of God for someone to rise from the dead. And the scripture says, because Jesus rose from the dead, that same power, that limitless power that raised Jesus from the dead can work in our life and, and not only raise us from the dead when the time comes for the Lord to do that in the last day, but that same power we can encounter today and no matter what we've experienced in our life, no matter what we've went through, no matter what tragedies we've encountered or any bad choices that we've made, this God, by the power of the Spirit that comes through the resurrection, is able to give us a new opportunity to live life all over again. All over again. And we witness that in this narrative. I, I just to briefly... Uh, catch you up. Uh, Jesus had some friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They were good friends of his. He would oftentimes stay at their, at their place when he was traveling about. They lived a couple of miles from Jerusalem in a place called Bethany. The scripture says that Jesus was off with his disciples somewhere and word came that Lazarus, one that he loved, was sick. Jesus was two days away walking distance from there. They, they just assumed, I'm going to say Mary and Martha, uh, just assumed that soon as Jesus heard that because they were so close in, in friendship and relationship that he would head right there and, and be sure to keep Lazarus from dying. But that's not what he did. As a matter of fact, Jesus stayed two more days. And the scripture, scripture says this, that even the disciples questioned when Jesus said after two days, let's go and let me go raise Lazarus. They were under the impression that Lazarus was just sleep. And their thought was, why don't you just leave him alone? If he's sleeping, he's doing well. Jesus made it clear Lazarus has died. He's dead. And I'm glad that I wasn't there because I want you to see something so that you might believe in me. Jesus takes the two-day journey to get to Bethany where Mary and Martha and Lazarus is. He arrives in Bethany. Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is buried. They've already had the funeral. The family is grieving. They're mourning. Martha comes out to meet Jesus and said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Mary, her sister, who also had a great relationship with Jesus, did not even come out, maybe because of disappointment. And, and, and keep in mind, with all the relationship they had uh, with Jesus, th they were in a mindset that this was over. They were mourning. They were grieving. This is done. He's buried. He's in the tomb. And, and, and I want you to, to know this. They, they, had, they had seen Jesus uh, bring, at least we know, of one, two people uh, in the Gospels that had just died, and they were carrying them either to do the, the service, and Jesus stopped in one particular, stopped them right in, in, in tracks, and raised the person up after that he had been dead for a few hours. But he wasn't buried. He wasn't in the tomb. They had seen Jesus pray over folks and they come back to life. But they've never experienced Jesus raising anybody out from a tomb. 
Same, same, we hear stories even today of people who have died either on operating table or after some tragedies and, and they come back to life. That movie Breakthrough, which I have not seen yet, but uh, it tells the story of a 14-year-old in St. Louis, and some of you might have saw that, fell through the ice. He died underwater 15 minutes, another 45 minutes, no pulse. Mother prays over him after being dead for a little over an hour, and he comes back to life. So we know that that can happen. But witnessing somebody coming out of a tomb, dead and gone, four days later, that just did not seem possible. And Jesus came and said to Martha, you know your brother's going to rise again. And her response was, I know, I get that, I get that. I know he's going to rise again at the last day. Not now, but yeah, I know later he will. When everybody gets risen up. I get that, that he's going to rise. And, and I do want to say something about that because what, what Martha says really is it's good theology and it's, it's something that I think everybody should know. It is a truth that everyone that has died and everybody that will die, no matter where you're put, no matter whether you're laid in the cemetery in Yuma or they sprinkle your ashes from a helicopter or put you down in the bottom of the sea, no matter where you are, there's going to be a day that every one of us are coming up out of the graves. None of us stay in a grave. We all come up because every one of us has to face our creator. We have to face our maker. John 5, 28, 29 says this, do not be amazed at this because a time is coming when all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good things to the resurrection of life, but those who have done wicked things to the resurrection of condemnation. So everybody is going to come out. But so, so as much as I, I want to move on, I, I really, really want you to get this. You got to understand this. No matter what you believe about God, you will face him. You will face him. It's a matter of facing him now and facing him later at a time when he says to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. But there's no one on the planet that will not face the God who created you. Every person will face the creator. And the scripture says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's a matter of doing it now or a matter of doing it later. Do I have a church that can say amen? Martha looked to the future. That's what she was thinking. Not now the future. She spoke well to Jesus. She spoke reverently, but she was looking through the future. She was still thinking of what Jesus could have done if he'd have been there. What Jesus could have done if, if he'd have got there while Lazarus was sick. Jesus says to her, listen, Martha, you need to hear this. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who's coming into the world. I, I want you to lean in here because that's an important statement that Martha makes. And, and we need to get that. Jesus wanted it to be known that he has the power to raise us up right now. 
no matter what condition of life we're in, he can raise us up right now because he is the resurrection and he is the life. He is the life. And because of who he is, he's able to do a great work in our life even now. Our narrative picks up where we read. Martha went and told her sister Mary that Jesus wanted to speak to her, which we don't really see that Jesus said anything about Mary, but he went and told Mary, Mary comes, and Mary comes and has the same conversation. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then we see something very interesting. We, we see some moment of some real vulnerabilities. We see some moment where those that are there are grieving and mourning. Both sisters are hurting because they've lost their brother. He's dead. He's gone. And, and, and all of us, in one aspect or another, have experienced what death can do to someone. All of us, I think, have experienced the hurt and the loss of losing someone. It, it, it's a fact that whenever someone dies that we're close to, that we love, it brings a pain. It brings an agony. Death is that thing that, that can make the most strongest people become, where, where people who seem invincible, they become very vulnerable. Death is the one thing that when you, when you get word of somebody has died, no matter how strong you are mentally and emotionally, the sound of someone dying can cause you to collapse right there on the spot. Death is, is, the, is the very thing that makes the unbreakable shatter. Death is the thing that causes us deep grief and deep sorrow. And, and, and folks, even today, I heard a story of someone who lost someone several years ago and still hurting and in anguish and in pain and even in anger at the death that they have experienced. Death is the thing that causes anguish. But I don't want you to think at all that God is so stoic that he doesn't feel what we feel. I don't want you to think at all that God is emotionless, that God does not have any feelings, that God doesn't love enough to care and doesn't love enough to feel, and that God doesn't express any emotion. It's evidence all through Scripture. And if I had the time, I'll go through some verses. At the same time, I want you to get a glimpse of Jesus. Don't think that Jesus was not concerned about what death had done to them. Mind you, he's on his way to do something spectacular. But just seeing those who had experienced death, that was affecting him. He was feeling their emotion. He was feeling the anguish of death and and the pain that that kind of suffering brings upon. Jesus was deeply troubled at the grip of death. He, He didn't like what death could do to someone. Jesus is deeply troubled at the fear of death that we have because of the fear of death. Jesus is deeply troubled at the effect that death has on so many. If anybody knows what death can do, Jesus does. If anybody knows the effect of death and the pain of death, Jesus does. If anybody knows what it's like for us to walk through the fear of death, he knows it. And if you don't believe it, there's just two words there that proves it. Jesus wept. Two words. He wasn't weeping because he he didn't know what he could do. He wasn't weeping because he wasn't all God and all man that had the power. Jesus was weeping because he knows what death can do in the life of a person. 
That's why the resurrection is what we celebrate because it was there that we got the proof that Jesus has the power over death. That is through Jesus that death is conquered and that none of us have to fear death any longer because Jesus rose from the grave. Can you say amen? But watch this. Even as he expresses his emotions, the scripture says that he was deeply moved. He comes to the tomb and it was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said this, take away the stone. He comes there and he says, take away the stone. Now, I want you to listen to me for a minute because you remember what Martha's response was. She said, Jesus, he's been there for four days. He's stinking. You think Jesus didn't know that? He knew how long he had been there. He said, take away the stone. And you know what that speaks to us, Martha's response? Is that oftentimes we spend so much time analyzing people's life when Jesus wants to do something that we can't even do what he tells us to do. We're too busy analyzing it. But Jesus, don't you know she committed an abortion? Jesus said, take away the stone. Jesus, don't you know that he was a racist? He said, take away the stone. Jesus, don't you know that he molested somebody? He was a rapist. Jesus said, take away the stone. Jesus, don't you know he stole from me? Jesus said, take away the stone. See, if we always analyze people's life in the condition that they're in, we'll never get past our analysis to do what God wants to do to set them up for a resurrection of their own life. He said, stop and analyze and take away the stone. And here Jesus said this to Martha, just a reminder, did not tell you? If you only believed, you're going to see the glory of God, so take away the stone. And, and here's what Jesus does, and I don't want you to misunderstand the prayer. Jesus didn't go to the Father and pray and say, oh, God, help me do this. Help me do this, man. I don't want to blow it. I don't want to fail. I don't want to do this. Not, not at all. Jesus went before the Father to say, you know, I'm so glad they're getting ready to see this. You know, I, I, there's a movie that I like. It, it's called Secretariat. And it's, a, it's about the horse Secretariat. And there's a scene. I thought about it this morning. I said it to myself over and over again. There was an African-American fellow that was taking care of the horse secretariat. And this was before the, the last triple crown race that secretariat was going was to do. And in that, uh, before, days before that race, secretariat had got really um, um, sick. I don't, sick is not the right word, but he wasn't eating. She wasn't eating. Something was wrong somewhere. She was in a lot of pain. And uh, days before that triple crown race, she just was not responding, wasn't So they couldn't train her. They couldn't work her out. And they were very concerned about her being able to do that race. The, the African-American man that took care of her in the stable, the last few nights he would, he would stay down in the stable just during the night, hoping that something would revive. And the morning of the race, up till the day before, Secretary was not eating. The morning of the race, he woke up and all the oats that, that he had set out there for secretary over those days, she had ate every one of them. The reason I tell you that story, because I love this. When he saw that secretary was up 
and, and had ate those oats. He busted out of the stables and he went out there near the track and he says, I got to tell y'all something. You ain't, gonna ne- you ain't never seen what you going to see today. And most of y'all remember Secretary won that race by a mile. Let me tell you what Jesus is saying to Mary and Martha. You ain't never seen what you're about ready to see today. And this is what we know about Jesus. Jesus is able to bring us out of the tomb of life no matter what death we've experienced. Jesus is able to bring us out of the tombs from the death of divorce. Jesus is able to bring us out of the tomb of anguish and pain and suffering. Jesus is able to call our name and bring us out of the death of despair and the death of unforgiveness and the death of addiction and the death of agony and the death of all. Jesus is able to do that by simply calling your name. And this is what Jesus does. He goes before the tomb and he says, Lazarus, come forth. He just calls out the name Lazarus. Now, I need you to understand something. It's a good thing Jesus called Lazarus by name. Because if Jesus would have just said, dead come forth, everybody in the tomb would have got up out of there because that's how much power he's got. But he said, Lazarus comes forth. And I'm telling you, this Jesus can do this. Josh, come forth. Nick, come forth. Martia, come forth. Martha, come forth. Will, come forth. This Jesus can call every one of us out of the tomb of the death we've experienced. But I got to tell you something, and I'm about ready to wrap this up, but you need to know this. Let me, let me tell you this. It, it, this. When Jesus called forth Lazarus, there is nothing that a dead man can desire to do. Y'all following me? There's nothing a dead man can desire to do. A dead man is not in a tomb. He's not waiting there saying, Jesus, call me, call me, call me. Come on, Jesus, please. He's dead. Nothing he can do. Nothing can will him back to life. Are y'all following me? Nothing he can do can will him back to life. I don't care how many times he got baptized. He can get baptized so many times every tadpole in the creek knows his name. I don't care how many tongues he didn't spoke in. I don't care how many people he didn't pray for. When you're dead, nothing can bring you back. When you're dead in sin, nothing can will you back. Only the voice of Jesus can bring you out of your dead condition and bring you back to life. Only the voice of Jesus. And Jesus calls Lazarus. And Lazarus comes forth, and here is Lazarus standing there alive. He's all wrapped up. He's moving. He's standing alive. And they they just standing there looking at him. They just standing there looking at him. And and, and hear what Jesus had to tell him to take off the clothes and let him go. And and let let me tell you why Jesus said that. Because there's a whole lot of folks that Jesus has called out of the tombs of a death life. And they've come to Jesus, but they still got the dead clothes all over them. And they live and they trying to live and trying to live. And we just looking at them, just looking at them, just looking at them. Take the doggone clothes off. Take it off. Take off that death. Take off that unforgiveness. Take off those bad marks. Take off that stuff and let them live. Let them live again. That's what Jesus can do. Prayer team, you can come. I don't need to say no more. If you want to live, you can come home and give your life to Jesus today. If you want to live again, 
no matter what condition you're in, Jesus can save. You need to be healed, he can heal. You need to be delivered, he can deliver you. He rose from the dead that you might live again. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, I thank you for the powerful lesson that we learned from the life of Lazarus. Lord, I thank you that you're the God who loves us enough to feel our pain and yet enact your power that brings us out of those painful conditions and gives us new life. Lord, there may be some in here today who indeed have never experienced that opportunity to begin to give a, live their life with you. And Lord, we're praying. We ask that you will stir their heart and their minds that they may surrender today. Now listen, just for another moment, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to ask if you're here and you want to commit your life to Jesus. You want to be born again. You want to, you want to start a life with him. You want to live again. You want, you want to know what it's like to have a life that's not connected to death stuff, addictions and immorality and of unforgiveness and dealing with the victim mentality and the scars of abuse. You want Jesus to wash and cleanse you. You want to start again. You want to live a life, embrace a life that Jesus promised that's abundant, life of peace and life of joy. Listen, if that's you, I'm just going to ask you right now, just if you would, just to, just to raise your hand. We want to pray for you right where you are right where you are and say, listen, today I want to make that choice. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you back there. God bless you. Listen, we're going to, heads are still bowed, eyes are closed. We're going to pray together. Let's pray together. And I just want you to repeat after me. Father, today I make a decision to trust Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I surrender my life to him. I want to come out of the condition that I'm in and live in the newness of life. A life that Jesus promises. I commit to live for him until he returns again. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. We're going to close out. The worship team is going to, going to take us in the song of worship. But the altars will be open. If you want to come for prayer, you can do so. Some of you made a confession of faith. Please, please follow up with that. Let somebody know. Come up and let somebody know. Let somebody know that you're with. But uh, let's follow up on that. We want to help you get to the next step. And we'll talk about that next week. So don't, don't miss next week. And we're going to talk about dreaming again. So come on. Come on back out next week. If you need prayer for healing, need to be baptized, whatever you need, you come on. These dear folks will love on you and take care of you. I want you to be blessed and I want you to have an amazing day. Father, be with us as we go from here to our various places. We thank you for the power of the Spirit. We thank you for being in the presence of you. We thank you for an amazing opportunity to worship together as a family, as a community, in a city that we love, in Yuma, Arizona. God bless you. Have a great, great, great day.